Hey everybody, this is Caleb Williams and I had the pleasure of sitting down and, and doing a fire interview with Greg Rice. If you want to take your communication to the next level, you have to make sure to check out the Art of Communication podcast. It was definitely one of my top podcasts that I've been able to be on and it's just a testimony to Greg's ability to communicate and ask great questions. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Hey guys, today I'm talking with Caleb Williams. Caleb is the founder and CEO of Better Wealth. At the age of just 24, he's trying to change the financial game. They're servicing clients across all 50 states today and trying to help them take a better path to financial freedom that really starts on focusing on their hopes and dreams, not just the financial side of things. He's also the author of a book called The And Asset, and he's host of the Better Wealth podcast. And in our talk, we talk about how Caleb has really leveraged communication skills to have such tremendous success at, at such a young age. We talk about why empathy is so important to him and so important to the growth of his company and how he really drives that home with his teams. And we talk about how he's effectively learning to lead a very growing team with a company that's completely virtual. And he's a guy that really likes kind of connecting one-on-one. So that's a tremendously hard thing for him to do, but he talks about how he's overcoming that. So Caleb is just an amazing guy. I really enjoy talking with him. He's had tremendous success and done amazing things at a really young age. And he credits his communication skills for his success. So just further proof that leveling up your communication skills is going to help you take whatever you're doing to the next level. So Caleb, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast, man. Really excited to have you on today. It, it is good to be here. I am very excited to be with you and I just love the, the platform that you have and, and this show, man. So thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks, Caleb. That's awesome. And uh, you've accomplished so much already. And I know that you attributed a lot to your approach to communication. So I definitely want to dive into that. But I'd love by just hearing, a, I'd love to start off by just hearing a bit about your story and kind of how you originally got into the investment game and, and just give me a little bit of, ba- little bit of background. Uh, so when people usually see me, uh, they go, okay, hold on. I thought this had something to do with money, but you look like you can't even drive a car. How does that work? And so I think I've I've experienced a lot of ten minutes of horror in my life that other people experience when they when they get approached by me. But uh, my my story in a nutshell is I grew up in Central Wisconsin. I'm the oldest of six kids. My dad's a doctor. I didn't inherit any of his DNA because I can barely I barely pass biology. <laughs> Very fascinated with money. Got a job at a bank at 17. Um, and then I've always been fascinated with investments. And so I've, I worked in the investment department when I was 18 as the investment assistant. And then when I was 19 years old, I ended up taking over that department. There's a lot of crazy things that happened, but I stepped into a, an insane role. And, and so like that, that was the story leading up. And, and you're totally right because communication is, is ultimately the number one thing that I had to develop in that role. And so um, I call it like I was on one hand, I was super pumped. And on another hand, I was terrified. And I just went on this incredible journey and learned from so many people, uh, which then empowered me to start my own business and, and, and 
you know, teach people around the country the things that I've learned. So that's my story in a nutshell. And I'm, I'm just very, very blessed to be here. And I was given a ton of opportunity and I also was developed more than just money. It's, it's funny because when we talk, because I get, I get on a lot of shows with money, but I rarely get to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so important. So important. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So you alluded to it at one point. One question I had was, you know, thinking back to your re- running one of the biggest investment organizations in the country at 19, right? Well, maybe, I mean, you're one of the youngest people in the country to be doing it. Um, and I'm sure it's even, you mentioned today, it's hard to get taken seriously sometimes. So how do you get over that now? And even then when you were just 19, trying to tell people how to invest their life savings? Yeah. So I've, I've always been, I've always kind of been dynamic and could get people's attention. And it's interesting, man, because I am dyslexic. So one of my favorite quotes is by Simon Sinek. And and he says the solutions that you find in your weaknesses growing up become your greatest strength. Mm. And so I've like, I've like very much like been in tune with that of like, okay, I, I'm not going to out, out study you or out read something, but I can, I can learn to communicate. And so I actually watched a Simon Sinek talk, start with why it's a, an amazing Ted talk. Mm-hmm. And I just, it just hit me that it's like most people do not know why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, on, on one hand, am I underqualified? hundred <laughs> percent. But I realized that most people in the financial service are focusing on the what do this, do this, do this. And people are just like, just glossed over. And, and, I, and, I, and I just developed that 19, 20 years old. If I could be the person that could sit across the table from someone and help them understand why they do what they do, then not only could I buy myself a meeting to study and what they actually have to do with their money, but number two, they feel understood. They feel taken care of. And, and it just is like, that is like, I don't know why most people don't do that. It's, it's because there, there's empathy there's, there's vulnerability. There's, there's like, that takes time. Um, but that was, that was what I, what I developed. Um, and that was kind of the, like how I learned in this, in this role to, to really develop the communication style. And it really started with a couple things. Number one, knowing that I wasn't very good at certain things, but I, I learned to be a good, better communicator, but then also like really going deep into like getting uncovering someone's why because I realized that money didn't matter if you didn't understand why why in the first place. Yeah, I love that. So tell me, you know, you're going, you're meeting somebody for the first time. How do you start to turn the conversation towards that why and away from that what? What does that look like? Uh, so, and this has definitely been developed as, as the company Better Wealth has grown. Um, but, but essentially, it, it starts with this. It starts with understanding if money wasn't an issue at all, what would you be doing? It also is, is getting clear on what financial success looks like. We, we've coined this, this phrase, ROR, and when you ask someone in the financial world, what does ROR mean? They're going to say rate of return, return on risk. It's like a metric that a lot of people live by in the financial service world. We've, we've coined that ROR to be return on result. Why? Because ultimately, you should be putting your time, your money, and your expertise in places that will help you get the kind of result that you want to live. And people resonate with that, man. Like people resonate with that. And so we open up by saying, I want to understand what financial success looks like for you. I want to understand if money wasn't an issue at all, what you would be doing. We identify what that looks like. And then can we all agree that you should be spending your time, your money, and your abilities on how to get that? It's so simple. And sometimes it doesn't look like retiring at 65. Sometimes it doesn't look like maxing out 401k. Sometimes it doesn't look at like what everyone in Wall Street is telling you because they're ultimately saying like, you're, you don't matter. This is what I'm, this, what, this is what matters. So do this. 
And we wonder why everyone's so broke in America. It's yeah. because we just don't, we don't buy into the, the end goal. And it's just because no one's listening to each other. And so in a nutshell, that's, that's what's been developed from early on. And that's why our, our business has been booming. Like we we're in almost all 50 States do, do everything virtual. And I'm the youngest person really to pull this off. Why are we growing? It's not because uh, my good looks, let me tell you. <laughs> it's because we, we deploy empathy across the board and people feel understood and people feel empowered to live that life. Yeah. So are people surprised when you come in with that initial question? Not anymore, but early on, early on when I, I'm obsessed with whiteboards, by the way. And so when I took, I took over the corner office. Okay. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I have this office. It's pretty bland. I got, I went to target and got a whiteboard and every conversation I would draw the golden circle and pretty much say, Hey, a lot of people want to talk about what you should do with your money. And that's really important. But what's most important is why this matters. And so that's that I would say there's definitely I developed that talk <laughs> over some awkward meetings. Um, but now it's built into all of our sales process. And we won't even we, we won't even meet with someone and talk about strategy until we have a clear defined ROR statement. Very cool. So I, do you find that you have to do a lot of questioning to get people to drill into that? Right? Like, a, like, a, you know, the exercise of seven whys. I'm a big fan of that, right? Just why, why, why to really get at the real like, hey, what do you want to do with your life? I want to retire. Well, why? You know, what are you going to do when you retire? Well, why that? You know, going through that kind of process. Do you do a lot of that? A hundred percent. I'm also a big fan of asking why multiple times. It's interesting, the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was reading that when I first started just, just my whole career. And, and he talks about deeper root fears. And you know what's interesting is I realized, and I grew up in an amazing house, I realized that I had a fear of poverty and a fear of what other people thought of me, especially as it relates to failure. See, I, I wrote a book on money. Mm-hmm. I'm like, have a podcast on money. I'm speaking about money. If I fail, like, that's like, that just seems like that, that really held me back. And I had to get, I had to get deep, deep, deep to realize, wow, I truly care about what someone like that I don't even know thinks about me. And if, if I didn't identify that, I would, I would have tried to live life and try to, you know, go through and make decisions, not really understanding like a deep root fear. And so I had to, I had to deal with that. And that was, that was because I asked why multiple times, like, why, why am I afraid to write this book? Why am I afraid to leave? Why am I, I I'm afraid to, to, to be looked at as a failure in the money space by being the person that wants to help people with money. And I had to get clear with that. And so that's an example in my own life. And you're 100% right. We don't necessarily do that with all of our clients. But if someone says, I want to retire. Okay, why? <laughs> okay. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's crazy what, where we get. And I think, I think right there, it just, it just is really helpful. It's a really helpful exercise for people to, to do. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, especially a lot of folks who are you know, thought leaders in some space. Um, because nobody's perfect. We all have our misgivings. We all have our issues and failures and weaknesses related to any topic, even the ones we might be teaching on at the time. Yeah. So recognizing it's one thing. I'm curious of how you got over it though. How did you get past that? And, and I'm sure it's always there, right? But how, yeah. how do you execute even with that in the background? Uh, two, two things. Number one, I've, I've always been an old soul and I, I've, I've never wanted to regret life. So I was terrified to leave the bank at 21. I, I started Better Wealth when I was 21. I had people that were like, Caleb, this is arrogant. You don't know anything. You have no gray hair. You, you need, <laughs> like, they're just like, they're like, and 
the internet, like that's not going to work. Like Zoom, who would, who would do a Zoom meeting? Like it's, I'm telling you, now they're all calling me asking how to operate Zoom. But, but so I was like very much like, you know, sort of afraid. Even my parents who are very supportive, they're like, Caleb, like 21, you just graduated college. You have the, you have a really cushy gig. Why would you leave? And it was because I, I made a commitment to myself never to live with regret. And I knew that I would regret staying because I had this deep desire and I knew I had to do something bigger. And so like I, I have like this regret on one hand that I, I don't want to live life with regret. The other thing is one of my closest friends who actually helped me co-found Better Wealth died of cancer, left oh, wow. three kids under the age of 18. Wow. And I'm telling you, like I walked through that journey with him. This is right when we started Better Wealth is when it, when he, when it hit. And, and so thank, thank God that he had health insurance. He was still working at a full-time job. And so, but I walked through that journey with him and I realized, man, that life is so incredibly short and it's such a gift. And so many people are just going through it as zombies. And I, and I just looked at that. And one of his last words to me is Caleb, don't forget the reason why you started. And, and he, and he shared that with me because he saw that I could be potentially influenced. I could potentially back down. I could potentially be focusing on the wrong things. And, and, and better wealth was started from a purity of like, man, people need a better way. Mm-hmm. People need to use money as a tool. People need to start taking back control. And, and so when I experienced that, I'm like, hey, I, I might, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. And so I want to live my one life well. And it's also interesting. I'm 24 years old. Um, I've, I've potentially lived one fourth of my life already. If I yeah. live to 100, by the way. And it went really quick. <laughs> and, I, and I know that there's some people listening to this that are twice my age, three times my age. And it's not like, I, I, just, I just like, when we can think about life and think about, you know, the last day that we'll be spending on earth and what our thoughts will be, I don't want to have any sense of regret. And I also know that I can't take anything but, the, but, but relationships. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm focused on. And, and that's, so that, that's a long way to answer your question. No, I think that's uh, great that you have that visibility and you're keeping that at such a young age. And a lot of us get glimpses of it along the way, but it's hard to keep that at the forefront and live your life that way. So that, that's really cool. I'm curious, is it hard for you to find, say, you know, a, a folks to um, be part of the sales team in your space? Is it hard to find the folks who have the right makeup, I guess, to have this focus around empathy and wanting to, uh, I guess, I'm sure that everybody wants to truly help others, right? But you have kind of a unique focus. So I'm curious of how you find the right folks and how you teach them to follow that same methodology. So, so it's interesting. That's a good question. A common question I'll get is, Caleb, like, do you struggle right now being so young in the financial service business? I personally don't because I've written a book. I speak. I'm like now becoming a more public figure in the financial world. So it's kind of an unfair question because no, I've almost used my age as an advantage and as a magnet. But what's tough is I'm no longer meeting with people and we're building a team. And so how does that get translated to someone who's not in front of the camera every day? And um, a lot of people are coming um, in because they've read my book or something. And so um, how how do we coach people on that side? And so I think number one, we have to check our heart and say, where are the incentives? So our team is paid salaried, very uncommon. It's actually a, a big potential risk I'm taking because I'm taking on like, we're going to pay you regardless if you produce or not. Mm-hmm. The reason is I put myself in the shoes of, of the consumer and say, if I'm meeting with someone that's coaching me, I want their, their intentions to be pure. I don't want them to have an incentive to do one thing or the other. 
Mm-hmm. That's number one. We have a we have a platform that's not incentivized to do one thing or the other. And so we we as a company, it's it would be easy for me to say, hey guys, employ empathy. But then if our if our back end is not set up to do that, like you have to look at where the incentives are. So that's, that's number one. Point. And and then number two, we are we are focused on impact. We're focused on ROR. We're focused on all all those things. And you'd be shocked how many people will come to us wanting to do a strategy. I talk a lot about certain strategies and we're like, you're not a good fit. We are the only people in the country that will be like, someone will like want to mortgage their first son to like <laughs> do this thing. And we're like, no, you're not, you're not a good fit. And they're like begging with us. And, and it just, it just dawns on me that like, I'm the only person really. Um, I, and that's, that's an exaggeration, but like, there's not a lot of people that'd be like, no, you're, you're not a good fit. They would just do it anyways, because that's the kind of world that we live in. And so I do think, I do think that's the foundation. And then we just attract people that really, really care. And I, I mean, I don't know how we're going to grow. We have three people in the sales position now. And as we grow, that's going to be the biggest challenge that we have. We have three amazing people that have taken a step backwards financially to be on a team because they see where we're going. Mm-hmm. And for that, I, for that, I, all I can just say is blessed, lucky, and, and, and maybe a little bit of future pacing and vision um, yeah. in there. Cause I think everyone is, is sees how big this can be. Interesting. So three folks managing the entire country. You said you're in like almost all 50 states. That's a whole lot to manage. Yes, but we have systems. So when you think of, so when you think of like three people, those are coaches and then we have a planning team, we have an ops team. And so the way that we've even set this up is I want this to be team, a team approach versus just a one-on-one. Traditional financial planning is you have a financial planner, mainly it's usually local and you go, go to that person, they set up a plan, and then you meet with them annually or whatever. And if you have a problem, you give them a call. And I just looked at that and go, there's a lot of potential flaws with that. So how can we make that better? And so we've taken kind of a team approach, a coach. We have a, you know independent model where if, if one of our coaches leaves or gets hit by a bus or whatever, we're not going to miss a beat as it relates to helping someone with where they're at. Yeah. So uh, such a team focus that I think that's pretty cool. How do you develop kind of that feeling of teamwork across the organization with all the different teams? Like how do you really play that up? Um, that's definitely been a challenge. We, I mean, we have a daily huddle and today on our daily huddle internally, we had 15 people, 15 people getting on all around the country because we're virtual too, which is also creates, it's a, for right now, the way, when we're recording this, it's kind of a plus, um, but you know, it can be, it can be a challenge. And so what we found is having a daily touch point is really key because I am having a lot of like inspirational conversations, making deals happen, building partnerships. And so I'm getting fired up, but I got to make sure that the person that is, you know, pro- processing paperwork or on the front lines, I want, I want to, to make sure that they are kept up to date. And so our daily huddle has been the best thing that we've done. And then a lot of people have quarterly meetings because we're growing so quickly. We actually have a monthly meeting where we pick our OKRs, um, our, our objectives that we want to get done that month. And, and then we, we stay committed at, to accountability. And so I would say all those are really important. And we, I mean, this year got canceled, but we were talking about in March how as a team, we're going to do a, a mission strip together. I, I believe in Very stuff cool. like that because it's like, listen, we're doing this for more than just us. Mm-hmm. And so we, we try to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to up our game as it relates to like getting the team engaged, even out of work um, and doing things that I think are going to matter a lot longer than just our lifetime. Yeah. And, and, you know, I take you as a guy who really enjoys kind of one-on-one connection with folks as your team grows, you obviously can do that less and less. I'm sure that's yep. been difficult for you. 
it's the number one thing that's been difficult for me is leveraging my time because um, everybody wants to talk to me. I want to do my best with, we're talking external and internal. Like I want, I, I'm, I really try to take our communication to the next level. So one hack that we do is we do a lot of video emails. Um, I, so we use BombBomb and it is a way for me to send video emails to people. And so what I'll do is I'll sometimes time block a time where I'll just email a bunch of people that are going through a process and just thank them. And that really means a ton. And even today, I, I shot a couple of people on our team a text because I, I give myself a B minus with my intentionality of just like over communicating. That's definitely something that I'm working on and it's going to get harder and harder as we grow. And so it's, it's, I, would, I need to learn from someone like you and how to be more intentional like with that. <laughs> Don't know about that, but I appreciate that. Um, so to change topics a bit, um, so you went on this journey of kind of going around the country talking to a lot of financial experts. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so one of the things that I just noticed is I think a lot of people just in our world, um, I would consider them sheeple. And, and, I, and when, I, when I say this, I really want you to take an audit of your life. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? And are you just doing something because that's what you, you were told to do? Most people in the financial service business are doing what they're told, doing what they're taught at college, just pushing an agenda. But if you actually audit where we are as in a country and you ask questions like, why are we doing it that way? Everyone will just give you the answer like, that's just, that's just the way that it does. Or the, the market always averages 8% or what. And I just started asking questions. And, and the biggest blessing in disguise, I, I want you to capture this, is I did not have a direct mentor. Okay, so if I had a direct mentor, they would just teach me their thing. But since I did not have a direct mentor and I had this mission of helping people reach their highest potential, I started asking questions and I started just observing. Number one, it's interesting to me that on a balance sheet that takes assets, you subtract debts and you get your net worth. You as an individual don't show up anywhere on that list. Mm. I, I just I'm like, okay wealthy, I'm reading all these books, they think of themselves as their number one asset. They're, they're eating healthy. They're, they're making sure that they're showing up powerfully. They are the it factor that, ha- that, that goes into investments and businesses. And on a balance sheet, there's nothing about that. And in financial planning or traditional approach, they're not really approaching you as a human being. That was number one. Number two, I'm like, these people are working so darn hard for, for this thing, whatever you call it, retirement, you know, business and they're broke. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily their fault. It's just like, why is this system putting people behind? Why are we, why are entrepreneurs maxing out their SEP IRA and then going to the bank begging for a loan because they don't have any money for their business? Mm-hmm. Why is, you know, Joe Smith, um, you know, have a ton of credit card debt and yet told to do a Roth IRA? Like, I just started asking questions. I'm like, does this make sense? Like, why are, why are the banks in Wall Street telling us one thing but doing the exact opposite in the way that they make money? So I, I've always kind of, like, I was homeschooled growing up, and so I, I've, I've kind of thought outside the box a little bit already and, and being, at, you know, taking over the bank, you know, at 19 with no direct mentor. Like, I was given a platform, but then what I did was I was like, you know, there are smart people out there. I think people pitied me at first, and they're like, we, we just need to help this kid because he's got nobody. So I just, I just like called authors. I like when I saw people that I'm like, I want to learn from you. I would just reach out to them. Uh, a story that I like to tell is one of my good friends, Russ Morgan in Birmingham, Alabama. I just saw him speak and I'm like, I need to learn from this guy. Look, looked him up on LinkedIn, messaged him. First call, three minutes in, I'm like, hey, can I come learn from you and stay with you? <laughs> he's like, 
uh, let me talk to my wife. <laughs> and I spent a week with him, you know, a couple wow. of weeks later. And that was one of the biggest, you know, weeks of my life because I had somebody that would taught me the secrets of what, you know, he, he sped up 10 years of his life. And, and so like that example times a hundred was kind of my journey. And then I, so I just learned things about taxes, learned things about leverage, learned things about how to be more efficient with our money. And so you can't, once you know something, you can't just forget about it. And so that's why I left the bank to go and teach this stuff because I'm like, I, I can have an impact, but it's going to be minor. And so I would much rather be able to use this thing called Google and, and start leveraging the message. And so I'm a big fan of leverage. It's what the wealthy use to get wealthier. And I think it's, it's the number one concept that people need to, to apply, whether they're in business, whether they're just trying to gain wealth or whatever, is understanding leverage impact and just the leverage effect of getting your time, getting your money, getting your expertise to, to touch more things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's really courageous. Not only can I come learn from you in person, but can I stay with you? You know, to somebody who you just met. That's, that's really courageous right there. That's where, that's where my uh, college days of being in, in a college ministry um, paid dividends because they're like, no, but then when we looked you up on Facebook, you, there, you had a lot of things going for you. <laughs> nice family. I had, a, you know, I was very involved in campus ministry. Yeah. I had, so, so I think, I, I think, I think the wife passed, uh, gave me the green <laughs> check mark and I don't know what would happen if I, if I had the opposite. <laughs> yeah, you seem very non-threatening, I guess, coming yeah. into it. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious, you mentioned a little bit about believing a lot in leverage. I'm curious if you could share a little bit just about your broader investment focus, investment strategy, because I'm just curious of, of how you think about that and how you communicate that to, to your clients. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you our quick four, four principles. And, mm-hmm. and, and I believe heavily in creating a framework for people because I think you can give someone a strategy, but I want to, to create a framework and how people think about money. So number one, it's all about you getting clear on where you want to go. And it's just, it's just really looking at what your ROR is, what your return on result is, what you're good at, and getting clarity and being able to articulate that. Number two, instead of looking at outward strategy, look inward and, and look at what you're currently doing. A lot of people have their foot on the brake along with the gas. They might know where they want to go, but you look and say, like, why are you doing it that way? Because they're not being efficient. And it's because there's very little incentive for the financial service to help you with efficiencies. They just want to help you do something that they get paid. And so three things to look at if you're, if you're listening to this right now. Number one, your cash flow. Are you optimizing your cash flow? Where is it going? How are you spending your money? Are you tracking it? Are you, being, are you optimizing every dollar that's coming in? And are you maximizing that? Number two, your assets. Your assets are anything that's worth anything. Uh, and so it's like your retirement account, your, your car, your, your house. Are these assets that you own helping you live the life that you want? I'll just I'll go back to the example of the entrepreneur maxing out their retirement account because that's what they're told to do. And yet their business could double this next year, but they're unable to do X, Y, or Z because they have no money. That would be a really good area that I would highlight to say, why are you doing this? That's what I've been told. But like, is this actually helping you live the life that you want? It's not that a 401k is bad. It's that this asset might not be the best thing for you. The third thing is your debt. I'm shocked how many people do not have a debt strategy. And so there's a lot of different ways to approach debt. Debt can be a tool, can be an amazing thing. It also can be chains that shackle you, that drown you. So it's mm-hmm. just like being able to I, uh, decipher what is good debt, what is bad debt, and how to knock out bad debt most efficiently. And so number two is all about efficiency. It's about getting that foot off the brake. 
And then number three, that's where, that's where the fun begins. That's, that's where consistency is key. Like you got to be consistent with something. Uh, and in my book, I've, I've coined the phrase controlled compounding. I believe there's two powerful forces when it comes to where we should put our money, long-term growth, but then also the control factor. Most of Wall Street and banks want to tell you compound interest, which is, which is a function of your money growing over time. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But, they, but they use the function of control to leverage your money. And so um, I just want our clients to know that we need to, in everything that we, uh, every decision we make, we need to understand that there's a long-term consequence and a short-term consequence and maximize that. Um, my book is called The And Asset because I teach people strategies um, that are very non-traditional on how you can leverage money and save it at the same time. So I, I use a special type of overfunded life insurance. We could talk about that at another time, but it's just a, it's a way of saying, listen, if you set up this properly, you can get your money to grow tax-free and leverage that asset to do X, Y, or Z. It's just an approach and it, it's not the first thing that we talk about, but it's a strategy that you can take a dollar and give it multiple jobs. And then the fourth principle is how you use your time, your money, and your abilities. I'm obsessed with helping people use their money in a way that will help them live the life that they want. So, and again, I can't, a lot of people say, where should you invest your money? It really depends. And I know it's not, it's not me just trying to dodge that, but if I spent time with someone, we could uncover what that activity is. And it could simply be spending more time with your family doubling down on your business, investing in crypto or an alternative, or putting it in an index fund. It really, it really gets clear when you understand where you are, what you're good at, and what you actually want to accomplish. And so um, those are the four principles, being clear, being efficient, understanding that you need to be consistent for the long term and short term, and then using those resources in a way to help you better live today and tomorrow. Yeah, for me, from a communication perspective, I think it's so important to develop frameworks that make it, that give you something to hang hang it on, right? Give you an ability to paint a picture for your customer, your client. And for any entrepreneurs out there who are thinking about kind of their approach and their unique methodology, frameworks can be such a powerful tool. Take some practice. They take a lot of thought. It's much harder than it seems to develop one, right? Uh, When you, when you, when you riff that, it's like, oh, that's easy to figure out, right? But it's yep. not easy to put together on the front end, but it's really powerful. Yep. And I will say, just to encourage everybody listening to this, two years of, you know, seeing what works, talking to people, <laughs> like, and trust me, a lot of cringeworthy <laughs> moments of like, okay, that, did, that, that, that does not belong in the framework, noted, you know, like, so it's, it, I didn't, I wasn't born with this and it's definitely happened over many, many days of wanting to bang my head against the wall. Yeah. Tell me a bit about the failures in communication. Like, <laughs> like, you know, where, where you say something, it just doesn't, it doesn't resonate. Yeah. I, I think every time it, my heart's always been pure, but it's just like, I've, I've focused on the what and I, and I jumped, jumped ahead and tried to talk more about the solution. And if you don't clearly understand the problem, the solution doesn't matter. And so I think every, every problem slash, you know, dilemma that I've faced with communication, it's because I've not done the right job diagnosing the problem. And mm-hmm. that's really, really key. Um, we have a, a process on the front end. If anyone's like interested, like, hey, I want to learn more, we call our, it our x-ray call. Why? Because I had this epiphany when I went to a, a chiro- the chiropractor the other day of like, they just did an x-ray of my back. Didn't sell me anything, by the way, but I saw exactly what I, how my posture was. And like, where my back was. No, no sales needed. He just showed me exactly what's going on. And so I'm like, when, what if we could do that with someone's money? 
What if we could have like just a snapshot of where you are? Reason why we do that is I could sell you, you know, I could talk about all these amazing things, but if you don't know your problem, you're not going to take action. If you know your problem and I'm, I'm positioning myself as the doctor, number one, you feel understood. That's Dale Carnegie 101. But then, but then ultimately, if you're understood and then we have the solution, then you're going to be coming towards us. So we're creating that magnetic um, attraction. And so there's a lot, actually, a lot of what I do is thinking about communication. It's the number one thing that you need in our business as it relates to every, just our approach. And I know that you know this. It's like you look at any sector, you up their communication, it's going to everything gets better. Yeah, no doubt. Improving that foundational communication can help take anything to the next level, regardless of what you're trying to accomplish. And I, I love to get folks talking about some of the challenges that they face and how they've kind of failed and fell on their face, right? Because it's important for folks to realize that these things don't happen overnight. And even the folks who seem like they're best at these things fail all the time. And that's how they get better. Um, and you can't give up just because you, you had a really bad conversation, discussion or connection. Yeah, I, I shared this on my podcast a, a while ago, actually. But when, when I first started, man, my first year, I made no money. No money. And it was because I, I really wanted to do the right thing. And I think people saw the dilemma of like, oh, should I do this? And I remember, this is still when I was working at the bank, by the way. But I remember taking, working with a friend, helping him pay off his debt. Like, dude, I worked so hard for this. I wasn't even going to make any money doing, doing this, but we're, we are doing some strategies on the back end. And he called me like right before everything was going to finalize and just said, Hey man, I talked to some friends. I was Googling some things and I just, I don't think that this is the best direction for me. And I just like, it didn't, it was not about the money. It was about mm -hmm. like, wow, a guy thinks that my advice, my help towards him was not going to actually better him off. And his, I, who knows what his friend said, what Google said, but it was like, I wanted to quit right then and there. Because I was like, yeah. nothing that I'm doing is working. I, my, the communication isn't landing. And I just, I look back on that. And I, in the podcast, I got very emotional because like we just landed one of the biggest partnership deals of our life. And yet, like, I just think like two years ago, I was like sitting in my car, like wanting to break down crying because I, I've been working so hard and none of my, like, like I couldn't seem to get anything across. So I don't know if that's consistency. I don't, I mean... I just want I just want to encourage people that are are doing business or are struggling in sales. Like, don't don't just be consistent. Like, self reflect. I had to do some reflecting because there's things that obviously has changed since then and how I communicate. But I'm telling you, like, I'm so so glad that I didn't give up and I'm so glad that I persevered and I'm so glad that I just stuck with it because there are many moments that I just was like, I'm way too talented to just not make any money and suffer. Like, why don't I just work for somebody? And that working for somebody is not wrong. But for me, I would have regretted that. And if we go back to the beginning of this podcast, like that's a commitment that I've made to myself. Yeah. Yeah. So as you think about the future, what's the vision for the company? I, I mean, quite frankly, man, I, I want to dominate the space and become a major player in the financial service business. So in five years, I would like to have an impact of a million people in the North America. And the way that we do that is, is two things, change the way that the industry thinks about financial planning, but then ultimately go direct to the marketplace and show people a better way. And so we're, we are, we're starting, we're, we're behind our million goal, by the way, <laughs> but I, like we're, we're taking one step at a time. Our team is growing and, and we know that ironically it's, it's less about the solution and more about marketing because if you don't get your 
name out there. No one, you could be the best thing in the world, but if no one knows that you exist, they're not going to come to you. And so we're focused on, we're focused on that and then attracting really amazing people. So as you, as you develop good communicators, send them your way, man, (laughs) we'll do, man. We'll do. Appreciate that. So tell me a bit about the book. You mentioned that as well. Uh, the book was a self-published um, way for me to leverage. I, I want, if, if people like tried to understand how I think, everything revolves around leverage. Because I, I n- number one, don't ha- want to work the rest of my life just to move the needle. Like I want to create things that, that do that work for me. That's what I want to do with my money and time and all that, all, that, all that good stuff. And so what I did early on was like, I'm having the same presentation over and over and over again. And people really, really like it but I can't get anything done because I'm meeting with people and I feel like a trick pony just like, Hey, do this thing. And I'm like, okay, let me, so I'm like, okay, what if, what if I could take this presentation and take the principles that I like firmly believe and put it in a book? Now I made every mistake known to man, you know, when it comes to writing a book, but I did get it out. It was self-published. Didn't, didn't even promote it in my fam. Like I just had it out and I used it as a way to give it to someone to learn more. And it was, it was amazing. And then, you know, it just, it, it was written in such a way that made money simple, like incredibly simple. And so 8,000 copies later for a self-published book with no real marketing, that tells you that the message has landed. And so that book, I, I want, I want to just paint this picture. The book not only helped us close business, not only helped me get my name out, but it helped, it helped unlock stages, it helped unlock other opportunities. It gave me opportunities to just get my foot in the door so many places. And so for that, I am so incredibly grateful. And so it's not that the book is like revolutionary, but it's definitely opened people's eyes and it's getting me into other rooms where I could speak and, and help other people. Um, I wouldn't say the book directly tied me to you, but indirectly it did because I went on a journey of being on other podcasts because I had a book, because I had that, we connected. And so um, that's just an example of a leveraged activity I did early on that you know, has paid dividends. Is that on Amazon these days? Can folks just it, go to it's Amazon? It's on Amazon. It if people, if people go to betterwealth.com, mm-hmm. they, they can get, they can get a copy for seven bucks. Cool. And then tell me a bit about the podcast as well. You're doing so many different things. Yeah. Podcast was one of the best decisions I, I have made and I continue to do it cause I love it. But early on, you know, no, no authority over here. Like I didn't know what I was talking about, but I did know a lot of people. And so what I did was I just created a platform where I would interview other people that were experts. Number one, built a solid relationship with them. Number two, got them to speak their message on my platform. And so that transferred authority was key. And number three, content is king. So I created, I created three in one just by, just by having a show. And, and for me, relationships are the most important thing. I, on Monday, am hosting a dinner inviting 20 people from you know, Denver that I really want to connect with and build a relationship with. No agenda other than the fact that I just want to get to know them. I'm doing that for a relationship because I've just seen the best investment I can make is in other people and just building that relationship with others. That's why I'm so grateful to be on, on with you because you're somebody that I want to build a relationship long-term. And so that same thing goes with the podcast. It's a great way to have conversations with someone that you wouldn't necessarily have. You can't just say, hey, can I, can I talk to you for an hour? You're like, no, I'm busy. But if you're like, hey, I have an audience and I would love to share your message, 
they're flattered. They're like, oh yeah, I would love to sell more books or whatever. And so I've just found that it was an amazing way to build a relationship. And the fact is people listen to, they go back and listen to all my podcasts. I'm like, what? I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that you don't have a life. I'm, I'm like, you know, it's like, it blows my mind, but it's been such an amazing way to build relationships with people. And that leverages your time. Cause there's people that have listened to hours, 50, 60, 70 hours of me talking that I've never met. Think about that for a moment. Yeah. 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 And I think you have to put that in your goal, right? Um, those folks count as folks who you have positively influenced from a financial perspective. Yeah, it's harder to measure, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you, you know your downloads and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, no, couldn't agree more. The podcast opens up a lot of doors, creates a lot of relationships. And it's a great way just to get to know folks and, and learn new things. I've really enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Obviously still doing it, right? So a um, couple of last questions I like to ask everybody who I have on the show. The first is that I really believe in the power of conversations and their ability to really impact your life in the direction that you take. So I always like to ask my guests if there's one conversation that you can point to that had a really big impact on your life. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. I would say when I was 12 years old, I had a super embarrassing moment where I was in front of my peers. I had to remember two lines. I totally forgot. And I, I ended up sounding out every single word in front of all my friends, like of my script. I just remember walking down and I was super short for my age. I was, you know, couldn't read. I was just really rough. It was a rough day. And I, w- I went to my mom the next day and she said, Caleb, the things that you can't control, don't worry about. So with your height, like I ate healthy. There's no, like I couldn't do anything about my height. So learn to laugh and your identity is not in something that you can't control. The things that you can control, like your reading. And I want people to know reading is extremely tough for me. So my mom was teaching me at a young age, like you're not going to be a victim. I know it's tough for you, but you can outwork the average person can't just like outwork and figure out a way to grow, but reading is tough for you, double down on it. And so that, that developed a, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to take control of the things that I can control. And that conversation, you know, created the platform to, to build what I've, what I'm currently building today. Yeah. I love that. And it's such an important message. I actually have a daughter who has some pretty significant learning disabilities and we try to always motivate her in that direction as well to focus on what she's good at, control what she can control. And most importantly, we want to keep her positive self-identity because it's tough yes. when, when everything seems so much more difficult for you than, than yep. for your peers. Yeah. Second question, all that you've accomplished so far, if there's one communication skill that you could have had in more abundance that would have made it a lot easier for you, what would that have been? self-awareness it's it's everything man like the ability to read and have empathy on where people are at and how you're showing up and the first impressions are huge and so that is something that i'm continuing to try to double down on is how to have more self-awareness of how i'm showing up and how other people are perceiving different messages Mm -hmm. so important yeah so related to that single biggest communication lesson that you'd pass on to the audience based on your experience? The ability to listen, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Mm -hmm. I didn't come up with that, by the way. (laughs) um, And I'm telling you, like, I, I am really working on being a better listener. And I think it goes back to what I said earlier about really diagnosing before you prescribe. I know for me personally, I, I have so many things I want to tell you. That will change your life. But at the end of the day, I, life would be changed way more if you took a step back and actually understood 
then then communicate and that one thing if if we lived in a world that people stop talking and listen, started listening, I think our world would look a little bit different. For sure. She couldn't agree more. Last question for you. Who's the best communicator that you know, either know personally or know of, and why do you say that about them? I, I mean, this is maybe a cop-out answer, but I, I think if you look back to the most influential book ever, the Bible, there's, there's, a, couple, there's a couple individuals that have, have communicated really well. And I think there's a reason why Jesus... Um, shared parables mm-hmm. is is he knew that there's power in story so that would be that would be something that i would just that i would throw out there and and then i i mean i've learned from so many so many people like indirectly like i think right now is the greatest time to be alive because you can literally learn from so many people on mediums that really help you and so i i mean i would probably also say that stephen covey indirectly through his books big time big time helped me and i'm i'm a way better human being because of the writing and the the leverage impact that he's that he's done through his work and so those would be the two people i would give shout outs to (laughs) very cool very cool so where can folks find you where can they learn more about what you're up to where can they get the book where can they check out the podcast yeah if you go to betterwealth.com that's betterwealth.com. You can check out our company. You can, we, have a, we have actually a free assessment that you can take that you can see in two minutes or less if you're, if you're financially imbalanced or not. It's a two-line graph that will show you like where you're at. If you want to get the book, you can, you, can get, you can get the book or you can email me if you find Caleb at betterwealth.com and I'll send it to you for totally free. And, oh, and then the podcast is also there. I just want to serve your audience, man. And I, it's like, I want people to get that money's a tool. I want them to get clear on where they're going, and um, it would just it would mean the it would mean the world to me if we could through one person get them to start seeing what's possible. And so, BetterWealth.com is where you can check out all the stuff that I have. I love that. I love that. So definitely reach out to Caleb um, and check out the the website, the book, the company, and all the great stuff that he's doing. So Caleb, really appreciate your time today, man. Great conversation, great perspectives around all the great lessons you've learned around communication throughout your journey. So, so thanks for taking the time to share it with us. Thank you again for having me on. It was really fun to have this conversation with you. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.